Hi, it's Giles here, and welcome once again to the podcast. If you haven't heard me say it already, then Happy New Year. May it be blessed for you each and every day of it. I believe that prophetically we're in a year of acceleration. So blessings are going to come to us at an accelerated rate. And I also believe that it's going to be a time of accelerated fruit or productivity in your ministries and your businesses and so forth. So it's going to be a great year. And that's why I'm excited to take you into a meeting that I preached recently um, on the subject of how the victory Uh, total victory is guaranteed for you. And one of the great secrets or revelations, I should say, of the scripture is that victory for the believer is not something conquered, it's something received. Uh, Jesus Christ has already won the victory, and by faith now we receive that victory into our own lives. So in a sense, when we rest in him, indeed we we have victory or we overcome everything in life. You're going to love this message. Tune in and I look forward to seeing you at the end. Today, I'm going to be sharing with you about how you can have complete victory over fear and over the lack of faith and the lack of fruit. In other words, God has victory for you in all those three areas. Hallelujah. And we're going to be looking at the Gospel of John because it relates that after Christ's resurrection, the Lord appeared four times to his disciples. First appearance was to Mary Magdalene. As you remember, she went to the tomb before the dawn when it was still dark and Jesus revealed himself to her there. But actually, he appeared three times to his disciples in a group. And on each of these three occasions had a specific purpose. And I believe the Lord uh, was building up these areas or wanting to uh, come into these areas of our lives and the disciples' lives Uh, because they are vital for our growth and for the advancement of the kingdom of God. Okay, so on these three occasions, the Lord dealt with three things, fear, a lack of faith, and a lack of fruit. Okay, and I believe that today he wants to deal with us in those areas, and so that we don't suffer, we can be blessed in all areas. So let's take a look at each of these moments, which I believe are vital for us to experience complete victory, total victory in our own lives. Well, first of all, the first appearance of the Lord after his resurrection was in John chapter 20, and this is the place where he dealt with the fear that the disciples were experiencing. And in verse 19, the scripture says, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of of the Jews. Hallelujah. So you can see here that fear is a serious thing. It can cause you to shut yourself in. It can cause you to be paralyzed. It can cause you to make wrong decisions. It can cause you to hold back, to stop advancing, to judge situations incorrectly. In every area of your life, you have to watch out. If you're being led by a spirit of fear or dominated by a spirit of fear, you won't think correctly, okay? You won't think lucidly. You won't make right decisions. You'll make decisions based on fear rather than upon faith. And so in order really to walk in the sense of the will of God for your life, you need to be led by the spirit of faith, not of fear. So fear 
takes you off track. Now, God needs to deal with us in this era, and Jesus had to deal with them here, his disciples, because they were filled with fear. And of course, as I said, how can they fulfill the great commandment? How can they do as Christ has asked them to do? How can they even enjoy their everyday lives filled with fear? So the first thing the Lord always wants to do in our lives is take away the fear. And he does that by giving us peace. Now, watch this. Here in the next verse, it says, Jesus came and stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace be with you. Peace be with you. And I want to say that on behalf of the Lord to you today. No matter your circumstance, no matter your situation, no matter what you're fearing right now in your life, perhaps of the future, situations that are difficult to resolve, I want to say this to you. Peace be with you. Maybe you shut yourself in, shut yourself down, cut yourself off from certain things. I'm here to say, peace be with you. The Lord's with you. The Lord's going to work it out for you. You see, even with the doors closed, the Lord came in and said to them, peace be with you. So the first thing that he deals with and he dealt with was this issue of people having peace. Why is this? Well, it's because the disciples were filled with fear. Now, Interestingly, the next thing he did was this. In the following verse, when he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So picture this with me. After the Lord was resurrected, he found them hidden away, shut in, in the upper room, filled with fear. He said, peace be with you. And then to, uh, to, to, to back up that word of peace, he showed them his hands and his side. And in that moment, the scripture says their fear disappeared and they were full of joy. Scripture says they were glad. Hallelujah. So they went from fear to joy, from sadness to gladness. Why? Because of this word of the Lord and because of the showing of Christ's wounds. Now, this is profound. Why? Because the basis of our peace with God is the wounds of Christ. His hands okay, had the marks where the nails of the cross had been. His side had the mark where the lance of the Roman soldier's lance where the, had gone into his side, where he'd been stabbed. And so this talks to us about the finished work of Christ, of the suffering of Christ on our behalf. Hallelujah. When we look to Calvary, Okay, when we remember Calvary, we, we remember his hands and his side. We remember his death. We remember his suffering. And we know that he suffered in our place. He died in our place. He did it to take our sin. He did it to take our condemnation. He did it to take our uh, um, uh, maldações, we say in Portuguese, <laughs> our curses. Okay, uh, and because of that, now. Uh, God has made peace with mankind through Christ, okay? God judged Christ in our place, hallelujah. The chastisement for our peace was upon Jesus Christ. So this means that God is not mad at us, angry with us, wanting to condemn us, wanting to find fault with us. To the contrary, he looks at Christ and he sees a finished work, a complete work, a glorious work. He sees the obedience of his Son, Hallelujah. And because of that, God is satisfied. God is happy with what Jesus did. Okay. So the Lord is no, no longer looking at our sin because our sin has been taken away. Christ has finished that work. So God is not looking for your faults 
and your failures. Okay, he's looking to what his son did on the cross. And we need to look there too. Look at his, the marks in his hands. That speaks of our evil works. Think of it, the marks on his side, the wound in his side. That speaks of our evil thoughts, our evil hearts. It's all being carried with Christ. You've been redeemed from that, washed of sin. Now you can rest. Now you can rest. Why? Because God accepts you. You're washed clean. He's not mad at you. He's not against you. To the contrary, he's for you. He's on your side no matter what you go through, no matter what this world throws up against you. God is there. Be at peace. Look at the the finished work of Christ. Look at his hands and his side. It's a proof. It's a proof that it's a finished work, a done work. It's a proof that a price has been paid. And if the price has been paid, you don't need to pay it again, my friend. Hallelujah. You're not in debt to God. Actually, you're in credit now. Glory be to God, because the work of Christ, the payment of Christ, was more than sufficient for the sin of this world. So even... If you can't understand exactly what's going on in life and there's trouble all all around, please understand, you can have peace because God is with you and God is for you. Now, everything in the Christian life begins with peace. And many people try to live their lives based on their own strength, according to their natural understanding. And the result is always anxiety, heaviness, okay? Others want to be great leaders, but they just don't have any peace. How can you do the works of God without peace? God brings us to the place of peace first. We minister from the place of peace, knowing that we've got peace with God, that we're acceptable in his sight because of Jesus Christ. So every ministry begins and then continues. It's based on peace. So stop looking at yourself. Start looking at Christ. Stop looking at your sins. Look at his righteous work. You are not condemned anymore. See, true peace is actually peace with God. True salvation, first and foremost, is salvation from God. Salvation from the wrath of God, the righteous judgment of God because of your sins. Okay, People think of salvation as being saved from hell, saved from sin, saved from Satan. No, no, no. Your primary salvation is to be saved from the righteous justice of God. Hallelujah. And you've been saved from that because Christ has paid that for us. Hallelujah. So stop thinking that God might be upset with you, mad at you, or even just a little bit disappointed with you. He's not. He loves you. He's happy. He's satisfied. Okay. He doesn't see you without Christ. He sees you in Christ. And when he sees Christ, his heart leaps. When he sees you, his heart leaps because you've chosen to believe in his son. That's what glorifies him. That's what makes him happy. Okay. So come to a place of peace with God. Don't question whether God will come and punish you if you make a mistake, okay? Whether the wrath of God might still come upon you. No, okay? You've passed through the judgment when you believed. Hallelujah. Now we take Holy Communion, actually, as a reminder that we've passed through judgment. Now there isn't judgment for the believer, okay? We're now accepted in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, blessed leaders and pastors have resolved this issue in their minds, okay? They do things from a place of peace. They know, as I said, the chastisement for this peace was upon Christ, and so they look at Christ's wounds, okay? Know that they, uh, that that the, the chastisement, the punishment has already been poured out. So don't get up in the mornings anxious. Peace is available for you at every turn and at every point. 
rest in the Lord, serve the Lord with joy, throw away the weight, okay, throw away the anxiety, okay, do the work of the Lord in peace and in joy, okay. The Lord's first word to his disciples after his resurrection was peace. So my first word to you today is the same, be at peace. Now the second appearance of the Lord, he came to do something else and I believe he came to deal with a lack of faith or deal with unbelief. And we see this in the story of doubting Thomas, because a week later, the you know, the disciples were gathered again and the Lord appeared to them. And on the previous Sunday, Thomas hadn't been present. And so he didn't believe that the Lord had risen. And so we'll pick up the story and the scripture says, now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. And the other disciples therefore said to him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the print of his nails and put my finger into the print of his nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. The interesting thing is the same thing happens when believers stop attending church meeting services. The result is always unbelief. Wow. You see, it's important for us regularly to participate in corporate worship services so that we can hear other voices praising the Lord, so that we can hear the preaching of the word. You know, scripture says that faith comes by hearing, not by reading, by hearing the preacher. When you're in that environment, you'll find your faith stirred up. When you're around people who are praising God, your faith will be stirred up. When you hear other people praying out, praying in the spirit, praying in tongues, that will uh, inspire you to pray and stir up the spirit inside of you. Those who separate themselves from the body, they always end up in unbelief. So this idea that you can do church alone at home, please understand, it's not right. The devil wants that to happen so that he can cause the fire inside of you to go out and cause unbelief to reign instead of faith to reign. Now, I know we're in difficult times with pandemics and lockdowns and and so forth, but the principle is there. We need to do as much as we possibly can to meet together, obviously within a good sense, but meet together so that your faith is always stirred up. And following the story here, the scripture says that after eight days, uh, his disciples were again inside, second time, and Thomas with them this time. And Jesus came, the doors being shut once again, and stood in the midst and said, once again, peace to you. So it seems that fear still prevailed to an extent, because the disciples were still locking the doors. And so Jesus repeated the same message to them a second time, peace to you. You see, the Lord doesn't desist with us. He doesn't give up. When we don't get it first time round, we don't get the complete victory the first time round, the Lord comes and repeats because he's patient. He's loving. He's long-suffering. He just needs you to get this message. Be at peace. And come on, guys, this is a real situation. The Jews have just crucified Christ. The, The disciples were worried for their own lives. Christ wanted to come in and tell them, look, be at peace. Not a hair of your head will drop unless I allow it to be so for my glory's sake. And I say that to you again. You will fulfill the number of your days here on earth. Be at peace. You're not going under. You're not going down. Amen. Just be at peace. Things are going to work out. He's with you. Okay. And he will repeat that message of peace to you until you learn to trust. Sometimes we all need to hear things more than once. 
Anyhow, so the scripture goes on and Jesus said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands. Reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas then replied, my Lord and my God. And so we see here that now the Lord was in his glorified body. And when he's in his glorified body, you realize that he could see all things and hear all things. You see, in his glorified body, he's in all places at all times. He heard what Thomas had said. He saw what Thomas had done. And that's why he now comes in. He hadn't been with the disciples. They hadn't come to complain to him. Oh, look, Thomas didn't believe when we told him. No, the Lord saw. The Lord sees today. He hears. He's he's here. In him we live and breathe and have our being. Hallelujah. And so much more now that we are in the body of Christ. He knows our thoughts. He knows our hearts. He knows the trouble, the you know, when we get stirred up on the inside, when we become anxious. He knows all of it. He knows everything about us. And he wants to speak once again to us, saying, peace, number one. Peace, number two. Peace until you get peace. Hallelujah. But here also, he deals with the second issue. And that is that Thomas was unbelieving. He said, don't be unbelieving. He exhorted Thomas in that. Be believing, okay? He was patient with Thomas. He didn't condemn him. He just showed him the error of his ways. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed, or literally more blessed, are those who have not seen me, okay, and yet have believed. And of course, when he's saying that, he's talking about us. And this is the glory of it, okay? He's saying, look, there are people who are going to come after you, Thomas, who aren't going to have this opportunity to see me in the flesh. They're going to be more blessed than you, okay? So there's more blessing for us than there was on one of the disciples of the Lord 2,000 years ago. Why? Because we've learned to believe without seeing, okay? Hallelujah. This is glorious. And this is the key to the Christian life. Believe without seeing. God needs to be able to lead us by the Spirit. Lead us by faith. The Lord said to him, don't be unbelieving. And I think that's the second thing the Lord's saying to us today. Don't be unbelieving. Be believing. God is the God of miracles. God is the God of resurrection. God can take a dead dream and make it alive. God can take a dead relationship and breathe life back into it. God can take a dead womb, okay, and give birth to a child. He can turn things completely around on their head. He can take somebody who's just been poor all their lives and suddenly turn that life around and make that person super prosperous. He can take a ministry that's only touched one or two lives and suddenly take that ministry to touch the four corners of the earth and hundreds of thousands of people. In the hands of the Lord, hallelujah, things come alive. Don't be unbelieving. Don't determine things according to what you're seeing, but by what you want to see, by the dream, by the inner man. Believe. Believe in the promises of God. Believe what is written in your regard. You are the righteousness of God. You're the son of God. Hallelujah. Greater works are you going to do now because whatever you ask in his name, he shall do it to you. You see, he commanded Thomas to touch his hands. Okay. Because he said, well, I'm only going to believe if I touch it. Okay. So Thomas needed to be led by physical sensation, by the five senses. But Jesus said, you're more blessed if you don't need that. If you can just believe my word, if you can just believe what's written about you, if you can just believe my promises, you're more blessed. You're going to go higher places. You're going to do more things. See, don't think that Thomas was blessed because he had the opportunity to actually touch the Lord. We're actually more blessed because we don't have that opportunity. 
See, the real relationship that we have with the Lord isn't a physical one right now. It's spirit to spirit. When you commune with him on the inside man, in your spirit, that you know he's there, that you'll know that you're in him. You know that he's here. He's so close. He hears you. So you talk to him. See, that's real intimacy with the Lord. It's not sort of a physical touch like Thomas needed. No, no, no. That time has passed. We have only heard of the word of life. We haven't touched him and felt him, okay? There will come that day. But in this dispensation, that's what faith is all about, you see? And faith is absolutely vital. We need to believe, be believing, not unbelieving, okay? The righteous, we live by faith. We walk by faith. That's where the power of God is. It's by faith. And so we need to have this faith in the things of God right now. You know, you might say that... Uh, Faith isn't the most important thing because 1 Corinthians 13 says that love is the greatest of all things. Faith, hope, and love. Those are the three things. But, uh, uh, but actually, right now, faith is the most important thing. Faith comes first in that list of three. Well, why? Because actually, right now, uh, you need faith. You need faith here on earth, okay? And you need hope for things to come. In heaven... Your faith isn't necessary anymore, and your hope will be realized. So only love will remain, and that's why love is the greatest. But until that day comes, you need faith. You need to have faith in God's promises. And that's why Paul says in Ephesians 6, above all, above all, above everything, take the shield of faith, by which, uh, by means of which you are able to extinguish the fiery darts of the devil. You see, don't be unbelieving, my friends. Jesus came to deal with that. Don't be unbelieving. You might find it impossible in your natural mind that a man can come from the dead. Yes, in the natural it is. But we're dealing with a supernatural God. And I want to say the same again about your life. In your natural mind, you might be thinking right now, how is it possible that I can turn this situation around? How is it possible I'm going to pay my bills? How is it possible for me to travel somewhere or see someone that I love that I can't get to? Hallelujah. All these things, you're asking yourself how. Listen, I'm here to tell you that the Lord is the God who makes a way where there is no way. He is the God of the impossible. Have faith. Speak it out. Before you see it with your natural eyes, speak it out. Declare it. That's what faith is, okay? I believe and therefore I spoke. So many people try to receive from God through having patience. They think, oh, well, patience is the key thing. And of course, patience is important, okay? But the fact is, we receive by faith, okay? The Lord himself said, when he returns, will he find faith on earth? Okay, so the Lord wants to take us to a place where our faith, okay, our, we are led by faith, where our faith is vibrant, and it doesn't depend upon our senses. Now, finally, number three, I want to talk to you about the third appearance of the Lord, and this is when he appeared uh, on the, the beach of Galilee. And in this third appearing, he dealt with the fruit issue. The fruit issue. And I want to dive in here a little bit with you. And so we're going to read from this passage of Scripture in John chapter 21. And the Bible says this. After this, Jesus again manifested himself to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And that was how he manifested himself. Now Simon Peter called Jesus Nathaniel, who was from Cana of Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two more of his disciples were together. And Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And the others said to him, we are going with you. But they went out, got in a boat, and that night they got nothing. 
But at dawn, Jesus was on the beach. However, the disciples did not recognize that it was him. Jesus asked some children, do you have anything to eat there? And they replied, no. And he said to him, said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find. And so they did so and could no longer pull in the net. So large was the amount of fish. Wow. You see, this is extraordinary. Here you have a situation where the disciples were discouraged. Okay. Uh, The Lord, as you remember, had called them from their uh, occupations as being earthly fishermen to become fishers of men. But it's now like they've gone backwards. They've gone back to this natural life. Instead of fulfilling this glorious call to be evangelists and apostles and pastors and prophets, they've gone backwards. We're going back to a normal, regular life. Uh, Perhaps they now thought the Lord was in glory and that they would need to just return to this life I don't know, but we know this, that uh, Peter had got up and said, I'm going back fishing. And the scripture says, this is how he manifested himself now. So the Lord came in to resolve an issue, an issue of their calling and an issue of their fruitlessness. They'd gone back to their old calling. I'm here to tell you, don't go back to your old calling. Okay, God has called you to great and mighty things. You're here not just to make money and pay bills. You're here with a prophetic calling, okay, to to influence this generation, to take people with you to glory, to fill heaven and to empty hell to the glory of God. But also in that calling, uh, Jesus arrived on the beach after a night that they'd caught nothing. And so God also wants to come into your life, into the place where you have failed and make you a great success. He wants to make you fruitful in the place where you have been fruitless. Scripture says that they'd caught nothing all night. And remember, they weren't ordinary fishermen. These guys were professionals. They hadn't caught anything all night long. They knew every corner of that lake. Uh, They knew where the fish would tend to swim, but still they'd caught nothing. And this may be the picture of your own ministry or profession today. You know, you know it well, but even with all the effort that you've made, you just haven't seen results recently. There are pastors who work for years and years and their church just doesn't grow. Same with businessmen. They train and they put effort in, but things never seem to prosper. Okay? You ever been in a situation like that? Why does it happen? I believe that more important than knowing why it happened is to know the solution to the problem you're facing. And I'm going to show it to you right now. See, the Lord commanded them to cast the net in on the right side of the boat. No matter what kind of problem you're facing right now, whether it be your family, professional life, ministerial life, the Lord commands you with this prophetic word. And often we read this and rush by it, but you need to understand this. He said, right side of the boat. Hallelujah. You see, the right side has significance. He said, if you throw it in on the right side, you're going to find success. You're going to find abundance. You're going to fill your nets. So what does the right side symbolize then? Well, it symbolizes the place of favor, place of conquest, the place of righteousness. You see, the Lord rose from the dead, the Bible says, and sat down at the right hand of God. So the right hand points to Jesus Christ and his finished work. You see, whenever you cast your nets in on the right hand side, so to speak, with regard to your family or your business, what you're doing is you are doing it with the awareness that your righteousness is in Christ that the blessing is going to come upon you, not because you deserve it, but because he deserves it, because he's done a wonderful thing. Hallelujah. And as soon as you start glorifying Christ for what he's done, then all the fruit you need comes to you. Your nets get filled supernaturally. 
Before, you were working on the left-hand side. The left side speaks of the arm of flesh. The right-hand side speaks of the arm of the Lord. The left-hand side speaks of your own righteousness, thinking like you deserve something from God, that the world needs to give you a break, that look at all the effort you've made. But you see, that side is a place of failure, a place where you wear yourself out. Okay, You can work all night long uh, and, and still get nothing. But the right-hand side speaks of a place of rest, where you trust in the Lord in his finished work. And God shows us clearly here that he has an abundance for each one of us. These guys caught 150 large fish, okay? And the disciples made a point of counting them. So likewise, we shouldn't be afraid to count God's blessings. When God does something wonderful for you, please tell the story in detail. If you've prospered, let people know something's turned around in your life, your business, or your ministry, okay? Let people know. Speak out about the blessings of God. Hallelujah. Just as the disciples did. You see, these three things that I'm talking about stop us from moving forward. Either fear, a lack of faith, or a lack of fruit. God wants to restore those three three things in your life. Interestingly, in Isaiah in chapter 40, 41, verse 10, the scripture says, Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. See, that's the hand of the Holy Spirit, the hand of the Lord. And then in Psalm 48, verse 10, According to your name, O God, so is your praise to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is full of righteousness. So, you can perceive the process here. After we experience peace, and then we get into the place of faith, okay, which doesn't depend on sight. Now we need it to, to be grounded in the righteousness of Christ. When that happens, you'll find you start being really, really fruitful. Please, pastor, listen to me. Maybe you've worked and worked, but you still haven't really grown uh, uh, your church. Listen, start trusting in the righteousness of Christ and suddenly miracle power be available so that your nets will be filled, your gospel nets be filled up with new converts. Amen. And just finalizing here, the result was that uh, the disciples caught so many fish that they were unable to pull in that net. Seven strong and experienced fishermen were unable to, to do that. And let's just pick up the story again in verse 7 of John chapter 21. The scripture says that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. And Simon Peter, hearing that it was Lord, girded himself with his garment because he had undressed and threw himself into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, pulling the net with fish, because there were only 200 cubits from the earth. When they jumped on the land, they saw embers there and the fish on top, and there was also bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. Simon Peter got into the boat and dragged the net ashore, full of 153 large fish. And although there, are, there were so many, the net was not broken. Hallelujah. Wow. You see, John here we read, he always presents himself in his gospel as the disciple whom Jesus loved. He knew the Lord loved him, okay? And the truth is God loves, Jesus loves everybody equally, but some know it, some are aware of it. Some put faith in that love. We call it practicing the love of God. And uh, great things happen when you know that you are loved by the Lord, okay? Our love for him can be fickle, but when you know his love for you is immutable, you're in a different place. Hallelujah. And those who are aware that they are loved by God are very quick to see the things of God. The other disciples didn't know who the person was on the beach, but John was the first one. He realized, hey, 
That's the Lord. So people who know their love, they're always perceptive of the things of God. They always perceive the things of God going on around them. They have a spiritual sensitivity. We then read that Peter dragged those fish in on his own. You see, he first of all dived in, a bit like Forrest Gump on that terrific movie, dived in the water. But Peter, in his zeal, went after the Lord. And then, having met with the Lord, he goes back to the water. And what seven others couldn't do, he did on his own. Hallelujah. He pulled in 153 big fish, Scripture says. Now, I'm not a fisherman, but I know big fish are normally a few kilos strong. So even if it was just one kilo each, that's 153 kilos of weight. I think more likely it was two or three kilos each. Imagine. So in other words, having met with the Lord, Peter is now super energized. That's what happens when you meet with the Lord. I mean, you you become revitalized. In the presence of God, the weak become strong, the sick become healthy. So never think that doing the Lord's work consumes you or drains you. In fact, Jesus in John chapter 4, verse 34, he said that his meat or his food consisted of doing the Father's will. In other words, he was saying that the more that we do for the Lord, the more we're satisfied, the more nourished, the stronger we become. In the presence of the risen Christ, there's no place for burnout, my friend. You'll find literally uh, rivers of living water bubbling up on the inside of you, giving you health and strength and energy and passion each and every day. Hallelujah. I remember what Reinhard Bonnke said to his his, uh, son-in-law when his son-in-law said, Reinhardt, you're getting old now. You've got to slow down. Bonky rebuked him and said, no, I'm like a jumbo jet, a 747 on the runway. I'm going to get faster and faster until takeoff. Hallelujah. Until I leave this earth. And that's really what happens when you're rejuvenated in the presence of the Lord. You don't burn out. No, you just keep burning more and more fire and passion for the Lord. Hallelujah. And finally, I just want to point out to you that one of the most striking things in this passage is that after the Lord's resurrection, you can see that actually he wants to be with his disciples. He goes after them. It's not that they go after him. And more than that, here we see him preparing breakfast for his disciples. This is the God who didn't come to be served, but to serve. And I believe this is prophetic for each one of us because the Lord is coming after to each one of us. He knows we're going through dark nights. He knows there are difficult days, but he arrives in our life in the dawn. Okay, he arrives like the dawning sun to bring light. Hallelujah. Okay, but also to prepare breakfast for us. You know, today in our Christian practice, we take the Lord's Supper, okay, the Holy Communion. Uh, Why? Because we're living in this dark world. But there's coming a day soon at the return of the Lord where we're going to eat breakfast with him, when that bright and morning star is going to dawn. Hallelujah. And he will be waiting for us with breakfast ready. But I want you to perceive the Lord's immense humility. The risen Lord who had all authority in heaven and earth was now doing something so simple. He was literally cooking breakfast for his disciples. Hallelujah. Scripture says that he gave them his fish. Okay. He gave them, he took uh, the bread and gave them uh, the fish. Here he is serving these grown men. I want to tell you today, the Lord takes delight in serving you. Might mess a little bit with your theology. All other religions say, no, you've got to serve God. But Christianity is allowing God to serve you. I encourage you to do that today. Rest in the finished work of God. Let him come and minister to you. Let him build you up. You may have been through a dark night. You may have been working all night long, seen very little results, okay? But God's here to turn that all around. He doesn't want you to be afraid. He says to you, peace. He doesn't want you to be 
uh, unbelieving, he says to you, believe. And finally, he doesn't want you to be fruitless. He wants you to have a life of abundance. I like to say this. He's got an abundant life, a long life, and an eternal life for each one of us. Such is the goodness and the grace of the Lord. If you believe it, say amen with me, and God bless you. Until next time. hope you enjoyed that and if you're tuning into these podcasts and you haven't yet given over your life to the Lord Jesus Christ I'd like to pray for you right now wherever you are no matter the circumstance and situation you're in scripture shows that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved so if that's your position you've never personally surrendered your life to Jesus Christ this wonderful Lord and Savior of ours this wonderful creator God then you can do that right now right where you are and literally have your name written in the book of life and be saved for eternity hallelujah just pray this simple prayer after me say Lord Jesus, come into my heart, be my saviour, be my Lord, wash me clean of all my sins, give me a new heart and a new start in life. I thank you, Lord, for saving me and now for filling me with your spirit in Jesus' name. I believe that when you prayed that prayer, literally, you were born again, you were saved. And so now I encourage you to join a Bible-believing, Jesus-focused, Holy Ghost-filled church in your area. Get in touch with me as well, directly if you'd like, uh, through social media. I'd love to point you in the right direction and hear a bit of your story. God bless you.